Well, so it begins, and how does it begin? It begins with an empty church, alone, isolated. And I encourage all of you during these days to remember that for the most part of the Passion, Jesus was alone. It was just him and the Father, and that was enough. Jesus experienced everything that we have experienced. In fact, he experienced what it's like to not have what he loved most. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And my friends, I fear that this crisis is going to get worse. And although these are challenging times, they're incredible times to be alive. And people might say, like, Father, how can you possibly say that? It's awful. Even if things are going to get worse. And I say that because crisis and tragedy is where the church was born. Crisis and tragedy is where the church grows. We have a, a famous saying is the faith or the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. When we're attacked is when we rise up. When things are taken away is when saints are made. And so, yes, indeed, these are privileged times to be alive and to be a Christian. And that's what this whole week is about. This truth that crisis and tragedy is where power in the mind and heart of God comes from is what Holy Week is all about. And the passion conveys this truth in a way that no story ever has in the history of the world. It's as if Jesus is moving closer to his death. He's surrounded on all sides with what's wrong with us. All the dysfunction of humanity is around him. And some of the great scripture scholars say that the passion narratives, the, the gospels themselves are just introductions to the passion narratives. The passion narrative is the fullness of of everything in the divine plan of salvation. And as Jesus is going through this, he's experiencing all the evil, all the pain, all the suffering that we experience. That's why in the letter to the Hebrews it says, we have such a high priest that has been tempted in every way that we have, but without sin. And the first place that sin and human dysfunction is put on display is the agony in the garden. It's the agony in the garden. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in the Last Supper, Jesus shares the Eucharist with us, which is his body and blood is almost is, is mingled with our body and blood. And it's in that one flesh union that he almost contracts human disease, human sin. And that's why it's right after the Last Supper, he begins to suffer in a way that he's never suffered before. And this suffering is intense. It's so intense that he sweats blood, which is an actual human condition. When the body gets under so much stress, the capillaries in the skin break, and it secretes blood and sweat. My question is, is what did Jesus see that caused him to sweat blood? I think he saw all of human dysfunction. All of it. And I think first, that first time he goes to pray, 
That first time he goes to pray, what does he see? He sees the crucifixion. He sees himself being beaten. He sees himself being scourged. He sees himself being denied by his own friend. He sees the nails. He sees the crowns of thorns. He sees the cowardice of Pilate. The denials of Peter. He sees it all. And that's why he says, Father, if this chalice can be taken from me, take it. If you ever get into a place where you're suffering and you feel like you just can't go on, know that he's been there. And answer in the way that he answered, Lord, Father, I don't want to do this, but I want your will more than I want mine. In that second prayer, when he goes back and prays a second time, he sees as only the mind of God can see, past, present, and future, all sins that will be committed against him. The rape, the murder, abortion, contraception, the pornography industry, sex trafficking, abuse, physical, sexual, all the dysfunction of the human family, the drug networking, the promiscuity of the college scene, everything being committed against him because he is God. And still he stands, still he endures. So as to be with us. And on his third time going back, what he experiences is what it's like to commit all of these sins. The pain that you feel after you've committed them. As St. Paul says, he was made sin. He was made sin so that we might be freed from it. So yeah, with all that, I might sweat blood too. And in the midst of this excruciating pain, he finds his disciples, the ones that were closest to him, he finds them asleep. He asked for one thing from them, just one. In his whole life, he asked for one thing just for himself, and they didn't do it. Pray with me. I honestly thank you guys that there is the one thing that God is asking from every single one of you. It's stay with me. Pray with me. Be with me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've hurt. I want your heart. And I think in the coming months that we are going to have to lean into that more than we have ever ever leaned into it. It is all we'll have. As the idols of America come crashing down, we will have each other and we will have our faith. So where are you? The question is, where are you in the midst of the passion narrative? Are you, maybe you're part of the crowd. Maybe you're just going along with it. The crowd that rejoices and welcomes him into Jerusalem five days later turns on him and is shouting, crucify him. Just going along with it. Along with the trends of the world. Or maybe, maybe you're Peter. Maybe you're Peter. Maybe, maybe you denied him. Maybe that still weighs heavy on your heart. Maybe you and I sit back and say even this, Peter, how could you deny him? 
You who lived with him for three years, you walked with him, you saw his miracles, his healings. How could you do it? And yet remember, Peter didn't see the resurrection. All he saw was the crucifixion. And also remember that, yes, Peter did deny him, but he went to the courtyard. Being in that courtyard was a death sentence. And he wanted to get close to Jesus, not Judas. Judas wanted to get as far away as possible. But Peter knew the mercy. But what about you and I? We know he rose from the dead, and yet we still deny him. We deny him in public. We deny him in the workplace. We deny that we know him at school. For fear that we might be branded, that we might be called a Christian or a bigot because we believe in the law that God established. Or maybe you're one of the Roman soldiers. When I thought about this and prayed about this, it struck me. Because we know that the Roman soldiers, their lust for brutality and violence, along with that, we know that the Romans had rampant sexual promiscuity, orgies, drunkenness, vomitoriums. Their God was pleasure. And we sit back and say how crude and barbaric they were, and yet, look at our culture. We pay to watch people sin. We pay to watch people sin. At least the Romans were pagans. We're Christian. Or maybe, and this is my hope, maybe, maybe you're with Our Lady. Maybe you're close to Christ to the end. With a heart filled with faith, knowing that God's greatest work is taking tragedies and turning them into masterpieces. It's what God does best. He takes dead things and raises them to life. Wherever you are, know that God's mercy is available to you. If you just turn to him. We know this. We know this. Because on the cross there were two thieves. And one simply turned and said, Jesus, remember me. And he did. That is open to every one of you, but you have to ask for it, and you have to make it part of your life. It's almost as if Jesus' final plea on the cross is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Today we celebrate the power of God's love, which will triumph in every situation. The passion proclaims to every one of us, no matter how dark it is, no matter how tragic it is, no matter how wicked it is, God will have the final word. And so we, true, we either believe that or we don't. Today, as we begin this Holy Week, let us ask that no matter what situation we're in, that we meet Jesus there. Stay with him there. Live with him there. There is one question that remains as I was thinking about this. As the battle of the world rages on, at the end, which side will you and I be on when it's all over? Will we be standing underneath the standard of the devil and the world or the standard of Christ?